Confucius said, if you'd listened to me, you wouldn't be in that pit. Buddha said, your pit is only a state of mind. A realist said, that's a pit. <laughs> a scientist calculated the PSI, the pressure necessary to get him out of the pit. Geologists told him to appreciate the rock strata in the pit. Taxman asked if he was paying taxes on the pit. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of his pit altogether. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. Positive thinker said, just confess you're not in a pit. <laughs> An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. And Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. Jesus had a servant heart, and his service extended to saving us from sin and from the consequences of sin from hell itself. I appreciated the uh, quartet singing those songs about uh, falling down, but looking up then and continuing to allow the Lord to lift us up, to keep us up, and the fact that our faith has found a resting place in Jesus Christ alone. Earlier this year, I came upon a part of a prayer in which uh, these words were found, Lord, drench me with humility. Sort of stuck with me. Drench me with humility. You can tell whether you have a servant heart by the way you act when you're treated like one. And that takes humility. Topic is uh, servant's heart. Interesting to me that this was one of the topics chosen by the young people of the list that I submitted. It tells me that there are young people who are interested in serving the Lord and serving His church and serving fellow men. I've been blessed by seeing those who had a servant heart. My mother, for example. She, at age 101, is not able to do nearly as much as she used to be able to do. But she still has that willing spirit. At the International Bible Fellowship meetings that some of you have attended, there was regularly, when she was in her 60s or 70s, there was regularly, or maybe 80s, I'm not sure, a call for uh, anyone to uh, take the opportunity uh, to, in this case, clean the ladies' restrooms. And my mom, I suppose, in the spirit of in honor preferring one another, would let others have the opportunity first. But I noticed year after year, she would uh, 
clean those restrooms at 11 o'clock at night. And for that matter, many mothers have an attitude of a servant. Another woman that I'd like to refer to is, Acts, is found in Acts chapter 9, a woman by the name of Dorcas. Acts chapter 9 tells us about this uh, woman who uh, experienced cardiac arrest, or whatever the case was. She died anyway, and she had done a lot of uh, good deeds, good works and alms deed. Verse 36 of Acts 9 says, came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, and so they got her ready for the, for the funeral, and they sent Peter, and then Peter came, verse 39, he arose and went with these who had called him. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas had made, Dorcas made while she was with them. Lots of things she had done for those in need. I wonder how much she charged for the coats and the garments. I learned from my wife, um, you know, maybe we're, we have a young people's group in, uh, maybe a singing group from the States or whatever, and we supply a bunch of the food, and I say, well... Shall we submit a bill? And she's, ah, I don't think so. Um, she can do a lot of the work herself. We don't need to be reimbursed. Another lady that I think of, uh, her name was Lydia, a widow. We went to visit her. She was a lady in the community, not from our church. And we would converse together, and uh, she told me one day that... Uh, she prays for me every day. It wasn't my relative or anything. She was just a, a lady that we visited occasionally. And so it was with a real sense of loss that when I, I was at Maranatha Bible School one year and I heard of her passing, um, I grieved and, and, and missed her and, and missed her prayers. There are those who are mission workers with a servant heart. Those who have been served as house parents among VSers. Those who serve as janitors of a, of a church house. A friend of mine, uh, Irvin Hirschberger, um, Bible school principal and writer, he just liked to help. And so he was vacuuming, as I recall, uh, vacuuming the church house when he died. He died serving. My dad... Uh, Served as Sunday school superintendent for quite a few years, year after year. Never heard him say any words of complaint. My fellow pastor, Earl Cuck, uh, has served with me in the ministry for 35 years we've been together. He has a, a willing spirit. And it's not just in preaching, but also when we had uh, some renovations about seven or eight years ago, major renovations in the church house, he was there pretty well every day working with his hands. And another fellow pastor of mine works closely with the young people, cares about them. We can look back in history, people like Menno Simons, but also those who gave shelter to Menno. One of them, at least, was martyred because he had given shelter. It 
If you need a new name for a church outreach, you might consider the name of Servant Mennonite Church or Slave Quarters Mennonite Church. Since we are slaves of the Lord, the word servants can mean a paid or unpaid worker. The Bible, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, urges us to serve. Serve the Lord with gladness. By love, serve one another. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Now, in order to serve the Lord, we need to know the Lord. We need to become alive in Christ. We don't expect a dead person to be of service. We need to be born again. We need to become a new creature, a new person in Christ. And it's as easy as A, B, C, D. Let me get a response from you. What do you think A could stand for in terms of how a person becomes a Christian, how a person is born again? A stands for? Take a guess. Admit. Acknowledge our sin. Very good. B stands for? Okay, so first of all, we recognize that we have a need, a spiritual need. We are doomed, and so we look to the Savior, and we believe that He has died for us, and we believe that He is uh, going to be our Lord, and He's going to give the instructions to us for the rest of our lives. C is for? Confess. Confessing Christ is Lord. A key verse when I became a Christian. In fact, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, I was confused and uncertain about how to become a Christian. And uh, it was the verse from Romans 10.9 that clinched it for me. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I grasp hold of that promise. And D is for do or be a disciple or something like that. Continuing on in following the Lord, the Christian life is a journey, not simply a one-time event. We have been saved to serve. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably. Hebrews 12, 28. Jesus Christ came to serve. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, where we have the contrast portrayed by the servant that Isaiah spoke about, Jesus Christ. There were uh, two of the disciples, uh, James and John, and uh, anyway, James and John's mother came and asked for a special privilege in the kingdom of God. And when the other disciples heard about this, they were ticked off. Verse 24 says they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. And then Jesus called them closer, which is a, a good way of having it. Come closer to the Lord and you'll be more humble. He said, no, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. They give the orders. They're recognized as... Uh, a person that is great and 
powerful and influential. Verse 26, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your servant, your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus went about doing good. We so often are just going about. Service should be a way of life for us. And I hope you young people will make it a way of life. We reject man's approaches and philosophies of life. Psychology says, be confident, assert yourself. Materialism says, be satisfied, please yourself. Pride says, be superior, promote yourself. Education says, be resourceful, expand yourself. Religion says, be good, conform yourself. Humanism says, be capable, believe in yourself. Epicureanism, the pursuit of pleasure, says, be sensuous, enjoy yourself. Asceticism says, be lowly, suppress yourself. Rome and fitness, people say, be strong, discipline yourself. But Christ says, be serving, live for others. By love, serve one another. Jesus taught this concept of servanthood by giving us an example in life, but also in an ordinance. I'd like to read a little bit from John chapter 13 about Christ's example of humble service. John 13, verse 4 and 5. This is uh, 24 hours prior to the crucifixion. He riseth from supper, verse 4 of John 13 says. He laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And then Jesus said, uh, verse 13, You call me Master and Lord. That's, that's right, you got it right. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Demonstrate the same attitude of servanthood, of humility, of equality, of love. A person with a servant heart is going to be motivated by love. And there will be desire to serve and an attitude of service. We may wash feet as a formality, but do we wash with the spirit of serving one another? If it's just a formality, we're missing the point. If we have a servant heart, we will be open to helping others spiritually. As we wash one another, wash one another's feet, it indicates a willingness to help one another to be clean. And it can be a difficult service to confront a friend, a brother. But we also need to print, permit others to help us to be clean and openness to that activity as well. How would it work if I try to wash my brother's feet, but he's not willing to let me? Literally. I have quite a, quite a scene there. 
And let's think about water temperature. As you go about to correct your brother or your sister, don't have the water too hot. Meaning, meaning an, angry, uh, an angry rebuke. Nor should the water be too cold, a cold heart, rather than a genuine concern. Ye which are spiritual, you see a person overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Think about yourself. This could be you. Do it in the spirit of humility. A Christian um, asked the Lord, how can I show love to others? Well, near live, nearby lived a rather strange personality. And so um, this Christian lady uh, would buy her some groceries and uh, clean up the house. And then one day came the request. This lady, the strange personality, said, uh, you know, I haven't had my feet washed in weeks. Would you wash my feet for me? And so that continued for years without uh, it being mentioned to other people till some time later. Let's think about attitudes and actions that reflect a servant heart. John Maxwell says, Servanthood is not difficult to define, it's only difficult to achieve. To be a true servant is going to call for unselfishness. I don't agree with everything in Mother Teresa's theology, but uh, she did have a servant attitude. On one occasion she was brought face to face with a man who had a horrendous case of terminal cancer. Uh, one of the uh, workers there with her had uh, vomited from the stench and couldn't continue any longer. Some other Teresa stepped in and uh, took over, and uh, the patient was both mystified and gratified, and asked her, how can you stand the smell? And she said, it's nothing compared to the pain that you must feel. Servanthood considers the pain of others and acts unselfishly as far as our own comfort is concerned. Another thing about a servant heart is uh, actions that are spiced with humility, characterized by humility. I read about uh, Jesus and the foot washing experience. Poet Ruth Harms Calden puts it this way You know, Lord, how I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how eagerly I speak for you at a women's club. You know how I effervesce when I promote a fellowship group. You know my genuine enthusiasm for a Bible study. But how would I react, I wonder, if you pointed to a basin of water and asked me to wash the callous feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman? day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. A servant heart. 
A servant heart will act authentically, not like Elisha's servant, Gehazi, who was out for his own welfare, his own well-being. And you know, James and John, they were disciples, they were followers of Christ, they were doing things for others, but in their heart, they wanted to be promoted. Not sure who wrote this. I am like James and John. Lord, I size up other people in terms of what they can do for me, how they can further my program, feed my ego, satisfy my needs, give me strategic advantage. I exploit people ostensibly for your sake, but really for my own sake. Lord, I turn to you to get the inside track, to obtain special favors, your direction for my schemes, your power for my projects, your sanction for my ambitions, your blank check for whatever I want. I am like James and John. Change me, Lord. Make me a man who asks of you and of others, what can I do for you? I uh, have never tried this, but there was a Christian man in uh, Ohio that I read about. He thought he could show the love of Christ and have opportunities to tell others about Christ by going into public places and offering to clean the toilets. So in his car, he carried along with him a couple buckets and a mop and a lot of mop and cleaning supplies for the restroom, for the toilet, some rubber gloves. And so he would go into places like truck stops and see if he could do this service for them. So you can imagine the looks and the surprise of people. And they went into one particular truck stop, rather crusty proprietor there, and he offered to uh, clean the toilets. And, uh, well, the uh, truck stop manager said, uh, it's okay, I've got 20 of them. And he said, well, um, I was thinking more of two, perhaps. Um, well, I, I do four for you. And this truck stop guy said, no, it's 20 or none. So I said, okay, I'll clean the 20, uh, 20 toilets. Well, the truck stop manager said, actually, I just have two. I just wanted to check you out. Well, that was an innovative way of uh, serving in an unusual way. Servant heart will act faithfully and consistently. I read yesterday about this man, Archippus, a young man, I think, there at Colossae, who was told to fulfill the duties, the responsibilities that he had. So whether it's a Sunday school teacher or an usher or a school board member or a prayer warrior, do what you can do. We should also serve harmoniously with others. A lot of trouble is caused when people are at odds with each other or trying to promote themselves. An old story about the carpenter's tools illustrates this point. I mean, some of us are shy. Some of us are outgoing. 
Some of us are quite forthright. Some of us are more diplomatic. We have different personalities. The Carpenter's Tools were having a conference. Brother Hammer was acting as chairman, but the group soon informed him that he must leave for he was too noisy. Brother Hammer said, If I leave the carpenter shop, Brother Nail must go too. He's so insignificant that he makes little impression. Little Brother Nail rose and said, All right, I'll go, but if I go, Brother Screw must go too. You have to turn them around and around before you can get them to go anywhere. If you wish, I'll go, said Brother Screw, but then Brother Plain must leave. All his work is on the surface. There's no depth to him. To this, Brother Plain replied, Well, Brother Rule, you'll have to withdraw too, for you are always measuring folks as though you are the only person who's right. Brother Rule complained against Brother Sandpaper and said, He should leave because he's rougher than he ought to be. He's always rubbing people the wrong way. In the midst of this discussion, the carpenter walked in. He put on his apron and walked to the bench. He used the hammer, the nail, the screw, the plane, the rule, the sandpaper, and all the other tools. When the day's work was over, he had completed the pulpit from which the gospel would be preached. Work together with your various personality, characteristics, quirks, and idiosyncrasies, and abilities, and opportunities. Act cooperatively. Working together with God. Now let me mention a few areas of service. A servant heart can demonstrate it in the heart, in the life of a teacher. A Sunday school teacher, for example. A teacher is someone who helps another to learn. To prepare to teach takes effort. On a children's level, you may not get that much out of it. My wife has taught preschool. It's actually her choice for, I don't know, 20 years or something. Uh, she finds it fulfilling. On a youth or adult level, many of you will have the opportunity to teach. I think it's good to uh, lead a discussion. Try to get others involved in the Sunday school time. It's good to phrase questions clearly. Don't be too vague. Use questions that invite discussion rather than uh, what I call baby questions. Um, young folks, who was the first woman to live on the earth? What was Jesus' mother's name? You know, you feel like a fool answering such a a simple question, and yet I've observed sometimes you, you can ask a series of questions to, to move, to remind people and, and uh, help get things going, but generally, simply factual, simple questions uh, do not invite discussion. And I think it's good to express appreciation and commendation. Um, when somebody does speak up, that's a valuable question or that's a useful thought or an excellent answer or sounds that you studied your lesson pretty well this week. Then there's summer Bible school. I find this more tiring than Christian school teaching. 
particularly when children come from non-Christian homes. Um, looking back, uh, I think I've taught two-week Bible schools. We always have it in the morning in our community. Sometimes I've taught in another community as well. Um, I think I've had something over 50 different summer Bible school sessions. Some communities uh, find it hard to lasso teachers, uh, but I find it's rewarding when there are eager volunteers, which reminds me I need to round up some teachers shortly for the summer Bible school. Um, a little far to come to Ontario for you, I guess. Opportunities to witness by singing in nursing homes, um, tract distribution, jail ministry, um, our children and then our well, as they grew older, our family was blessed by going into various prisons and singing together and having services. Maybe personal conversations that we have that we serve the Lord and the church. Then there's opportunities to serve by leading songs. Probably not quite as hard to find song leaders as teachers because there isn't the amount of preparation. But a person who leads songs should, uh, I think, give a bit of thought to the choice of songs in worship. He should say the number clearly and with suitable volume. He should try to keep the congregation together without drawing a lot of attention to himself. Um, it's okay to make comments about the song sometimes, but I don't think it's really the song leader's job to give a little sermonette prior to each song. It's good to uh, try to have the congregation start with him on each uh, verse, uh, so that means giving a little pause so people can catch their breath before they launch into the next verse. Um, this thing is a wonderful device or keeping the sopranos out of the rafters and the basses out of the cellar. I recommend it, if you can remember to use it. Sometimes I forget mine, but I have mine along today. As I'm here, I notice some um, food preparation going on. Um, shouldn't, shouldn't mention that, but maybe you're smelling it anyway. I've never served on a food committee. I, I feel I'm, I'm sort of... Uh, deprived of something that looks enjoyable. Of course, I like food, so, and uh, I generally like the cooks too, so. Um, there's a, there's a, a level of fellowship there, it seems. As I've observed, I often wander into the kitchen and talk to the people that are working hard with the food. But there's the stress of um, knowing how to plan and uh, just knowing that one's work is going to be evaluated by thousands of taste buds and uh, then uh, to be often stuck with a cleanup while uh, people quietly uh, sort of evaporate when there's work to be done. And for some of it, there's the opportunity to usher. I don't get that chance very often, but uh, I, I have liked that work 
of trying to make people feel comfortable, at home, welcome. Uh, the ushers here have done a good job, I thought. Um, I asked an experienced usher for some uh, pointers for ushers, and he said, the usher's job is to make people feel welcome and at ease. It's hard to do this without wearing a smile. If you're happy, don't forget to tell your face, so make the first move toward visitors. Provide a Sunday school quarterly for them if you're having Sunday school. Also, as an usher, you should arrive in plenty of time to make sure everything is prepared. Before the feeding of the 5,000, uh, Jesus asked his ushers, his usher assistants, to seat the people in an orderly way. Likewise, his assistants today can uh, help folks to be seated in an orderly way before the, the bread is broken. Then there's the car parkers sometimes. Boy, rainy weather, cold weather. That takes uh, some service attitude, I think. Not much praise, I've noticed, for car parkers. Very little publicly for car parkers. Then there's the janitor. I think in our circles, generally, the janitor gets paid, but not much. Sort of been my observation. Never been a janitor either. And for those of us who are leaders, we do well to remember that a minister literally means a servant. A deacon literally means one who causes the dust to fly because they're so busy helping others. That's the origin, origin of the word. I think of a bishop as a, a person who is a servant of servants. And uh, there's a phrase from Ezekiel, I sat where they sat. I remember uh, at a fellowship meeting back in Ontario a couple years ago, and it was the end of the service, and there was a bunch of chairs to be put away and some tables, I guess it was the dining area. So I thought, oh, this is something I can do. There was a couple of young fellows there, and so I was working there, stacking up chairs and putting the tables away, and one of them came up to me and said, you shouldn't be doing this. You're a bishop. Well, I thought all the more so. But uh, I guess he thought, it, maybe he thought it was before beneath my dignity. Um, maybe more likely he thought I was doing a crummy job, and so I thought uh, I should be excused on that basis. Everyone should be a servant, from the janitor all the way down to the bishop is the way one of my friends puts it. Let me conclude by pointing out some blessings of serving, of a servant heart. It builds up the congregation. They're edified. I'd like to read from Romans chapter 16 about a number of individuals. I, I sort of like reading about individuals in the Bible, even if I can't pronounce their names. There was a woman, Phoebe, in Romans 16, and uh, it says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is at Sincrea, that ye receive her in the Lord as ye as become a saints, and that ye assist her in her whatsoever business she hath need of, for she hath been a sucker, a helper of many, 
and of myself also. Next verse goes on to uh, saying, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives. And then verse 6, Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. And verse 8, uh, Amplius, my beloved in the Lord, Urbani, our helper in Christ, and uh, a bunch of others there. They build up the church. I get a good feeling when I observe people working and serving together. It also causes a, a good testimony, such as Dorcas had, as we read about earlier. And it encourages leaders. Onesiphorus came to the Apostle Paul when he was in prison, and he encouraged him greatly. Serving also promotes peace and fulfillment. David Livingston said, People talk of the sacrifice I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which simply pays back a small part of the great debt we owe God? Is anything a sacrifice when it brings its own blessed reward in healthful activity? Consciousness of doing good? Peace of mind? And a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with such a thought. It's not sacrifice, it's a privilege. Great attitude. Service actually uh, helps oneself. There was a doctor under Hitler's Germany. He was in the death camps. And he made some observations. In addition to doing what little medical help he could. He kept track of people and their attitudes and their physical condition. And he said those people who kept their strength and sanity the longest were those who were engaged in helping others. And by being compassionate and friendly and helpful and sharing what little they had, they actually strengthened themselves. And this Dr. Frankel concluded that if someone responds to life by trying to make life better for others, that effort reinforces the individual's psychological and physical stamina. In other words, ministry energizes rather than drains. Young people, and all of us, God did not save you to be some sort of sensation. He saved you to be a servant. At the close of life, the question will not be how much you have got, but how much you have given. Not how much have you won, but how much have you done. Not how much have you saved, but how much have you sacrificed. Not how much you honored or honored, but how much you have served. Found a clipping recently about things God won't ask when you get to heaven. God won't ask you what kind of car you drove. He'll ask how many people you drove who didn't have transportation. God won't ask you the square footage of your house. He'll ask you how many people you welcomed into your house. God won't ask you about the clothes you had in your closet. He'll ask how many you helped to clothe. God won't ask you what your highest salary was. He'll ask if you compromised your character to obtain it. God won't ask you what your job title was. 
He'll ask you if you performed your job to the best of your ability. God won't ask you how many friends you had. He'll ask how many people to whom you were a friend. God won't ask you in what neighborhood you lived. He'll ask how you treated your neighbor. God won't ask about the color of your skin. He'll ask about the content of your character. God is not looking for stars on the world stage. He's looking for servants in the local congregation and wherever the Lord calls you. Don't have a star mentality, but have a servant heart. I've appreciated being here with the young people and the local congregation. May we serve the Lord with gladness, serve until He calls us home. God bless each one.